Wake up with Patty Catter. I love the show. I never miss an episode. It's the best. I turn it on and turn it up. Hello, everybody. You're listening to and watching Wake Up with Patty Catter. I am very thankful to have Dominic on the show today. Dominic actually has quite the story that we're going to get into in a moment, but I did have to say that years ago, I used to go on ride-alongs with his dad, Ruben. Um, I served on the Saginaw City Police Department Reserve Unit for a few years and was very uh, happy about that time there. I spent a lot of great times in Saginaw. And um, about a few months ago, I read something that one of my old police friends wrote on Facebook. And basically, it was that Dominic, Ruben's son, was in the hospital. And he was really struggling with COVID. Um, But before we jump into his story, I just wanted to introduce Dominic. Dominic, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much uh, for having me. Uh, Actually, I I tried to listen to a few of your guests um, before I got on here to see what kind of, uh, you know, I'm a cop, so we do our research, you know, a little <laughs> bit before we talk to people. And uh, I, uh, some of the people you have on here, uh, that the one guy in the military who was burned, I mean, oh, yeah, to, to consider me amongst a man like that, um, that is a, a hell of a more of a badass than anything I have ever accomplished or ever will accomplish in my life. So to have me amongst people like that on your platform, it's uh, it's very humbling and uh, it's very honorable, and I and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, Dominic, twenty eight years old, first of yes, all, and you've been you've been through so much more than I can even imagine. So I've had a lot of guests on my show that have been through a lot of different trials. Yours is definitely unique, and um, we can't really compare stories um, with other people very well, but we can always say that we have trials in our life. And um, those of you who are listening might not realize that Dominic is also a police officer. He followed in his dad's footsteps. Um, Dominic, could you tell us just a little bit about that? Because really, I have not seen you since you were a tiny little kid. And you probably didn't even remember me because it's been so long since I've seen you. Right. Yeah. No, uh, I get that a lot from a lot of people. Um, My dad is is very, very respected man. And rightfully so. Um, You know, if I could fill one of his shoes, I'd be proud of myself. yeah, I, you know, I grew up around police. I grew up around that atmosphere, that culture, that lifestyle. Um, so people always ask, you know, um, well, you must have wanted to do that, you know, because that's all you saw all the time. And uh, actually, it's quite the contrary. No, it's not because it was so normal in a part of my life to see police cars in the garage and to play with the lights. And, uh, you know, my dad was a canine handler. So the police dog would come, you know, and that, that was my pet. Like that wasn't a cop dog. That that was my pet. And, uh, you know, the cop car that my dad drove was not a police car. That was just my dad's car. Um, and it just happened to be decorated with fancy stuff that I liked to play with. Um, so I, I never really gave uh, a thought about being a cop really too hard, uh, probably until I was about 21. Um, and, and that's when I, I decided that this is the route I wanted to go to. And um, and it really started with um, the fact I, I went to Western uh, Michigan for college for two years. Um, and I say that very loosely because I was very immature at Western <laughs> um, and uh, I was not mature enough to handle that environment. Um, and I was essentially wasting money. Um, uh, on, on, on an education I wasn't getting because of, uh, I was not disciplined, um, at that age. Um, I wasn't as simple as that. And I'll be honest with everyone. I, I wasn't disciplined and, uh, and I had to call myself out and, uh, and I said, it's time to go home. And, uh, I moved in with my parents and, uh, 
I got a job doing uh, security at St. Mary's. Um, I just wanted to get something uh, on my resume that had some sort of law enforcement type responsibilities with that came with it, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was that was my step in there. Um, and then I went to work for corrections at Saginaw County Jail. Um, and I did that for about, I don't, I can't remember, a year, a year and a half. And then uh, in my, my and once I, when I started the security thing, my whole goal was to be, become a police officer. Um, and then finally, the, uh, the city was sponsoring. Um, and I, I jumped on the ball and, um, and yeah, you know, I, I worked hard for it. I worked hard and, you know, people will say, oh, you know, daddy got you in. Uh Yes and no. Yes, because my dad's name goes a long way, uh, and he earned that. Uh, he he earned that. Um, I've always been known as Ruben's son, um, and that's okay with me because my dad is an honorable man. And uh, and I, like I said, if I could fill one of his shoes, I would be happy. Um, so yes, a little bit, Daddy got me in, but I also had to live up to that name. Um, so there was added pressure, you know, when I was in the academy. And I'm not going to talk about the academy like it's some buds, you know, SEAL team group thing. Like you know what I mean? It's not that. But, you know, there were people and instructors and they're familiar with my dad uh, and and people at the department that had expectations of me because of my dad and uh, the career he had. Uh, So there was pressure. uh, At least I felt there was pressure uh, added or extra pressure on me to perform well uh, and to be a good cop. And, uh, and, you know, I'm not a veteran cop. I mean, I only have almost eh, close to five years on, um, obviously, in the city of Saginaw you know, five years there is, is, uh, adds up to a little bit different to a quieter place, but, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not a vet by any means. I'm still learning, um, and itching to get back, but yeah, my, my, my passion was fitness. Uh, it still is, uh, exercise science is what I wanted to get into. It's, it's what I did get into at Western. Uh, and I found out I wasn't good at the science part, but I was really good at the exercise part and I didn't need a brain to do that. So, uh, I continued just to exercise and, uh, and, uh, again, I, I, my first semester was really good. I had good grades and, uh, and again, I just got undisciplined and uh, I had to call myself out. I had checked myself, uh, and I had to come home and I had to reevaluate my life and, uh, and figure out what I was doing with it. And, uh, I decided that, yeah, I want to, I want to be a cop. I, uh, and I've met some great guys uh, as well. Um, some lifelong friends that, that I'll have, um, from doing this job because, um, you know, I'm sure like, you know, your husband being a cop and, and being in the military, I, I'm not in the military. Uh, I, I haven't been, my dad was, um, but, uh, you know, there is that sense of brotherhood you get a little bit. Um, but I also believe it's important to live outside of that brotherhood as well and uh, not completely uh, consume yourself in the identity of, of, of a cop or military, because um, once you lose that, you don't know who you are anymore. And uh, and that's kind of a battle uh, I'm having right now with myself uh, from going to uh, a able body you know, in shape, 28 years old, young, uh, cop, you know, on, on the SWAT team, you know, I'm not trying to talk myself up. I'm just trying to tell you that, no, you know, that's that was true. What, what my life was. And, uh, now it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, I hope I can, you know, make it up the stairs, uh, and keep my oxygen above 90 sat, uh, sat levels. Um, so that, that, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it, it is, it gets demoralizing. Um, so you, it's important, I think for anybody in the tactical field to, uh, to have an identity outside of what they do. Um, because, you can't do it forever. You can't, your body won't let you. Um, and it's just a fact and you see it. And I'm sure you've seen it with people you've talked to on here and, and, and seen it with your husband and, you know, you can't just solely be, I mean, be proud, but you know, don't, 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 don't wear the, wear the badge every single day. You know, I, uh, and that some people that might piss some people off, you know, like, you know, you're a full, you're a cop full time, 24 seven. I mean, yeah, you are, but you know, also, you know, ha- have different friends too, and a different group of people that you grew up with. That, that that reminds you that the world is is a different place than what you're perceiving it at because all we see is shit every day um and so it's important to have 
people that don't that don't see that and don't view the world like that to keep you grounded um in uh, in, in, in in keeping you on the on the straight and narrow so that you, your mind doesn't go in such a, in such a negative place um and and my mind has gone there um and it was going there before all this happened to me. Um, you know, I, I never would thought that, uh, and, and this is where I, I told you I was going to bring up three things mm-hmm. that I wanted to to say before we really got into it. Um, the first thing is, is I, I have I have no political agenda with this podcast. Uh, COVID is a huge hot topic right now. And trust me, there's no one more than that hates COVID than me and my family um, and any other family that's been affected by this. Um, but I'm not here to tell you to... Uh, to stay in your house and lock the doors and Lysol everything. I'm that's, that's not what this podcast is for. Um, I'm not here to tell you to, to, and, and we talked about this before the show. I'm not here to tell you to mask up. I, I, that's not what I'm here to do. You do whatever you want. That's what's great about this country is you can do whatever you want. Um, so I'm not here to tell you to mask up. I can tell you don't come over to my house without a mask. You're right. Um, I can tell you that don't come around my family without wearing a mask. Um, but if you don't want to wear a mask, that's fine. You know, don't wear a mask. If you want to go out and do something, go do it. If you feel safer at home, stay at home. You know, I, I'm not here to scare people about COVID. That, that's not what it is. I, I, I simply am an ordinary man who went through an, an, on it and through in, uh, extraordinary circumstances. And, and that's it. I'm not here to, for people to, this isn't a wake up call. This is wake up to Patty, not wake up to COVID, right? I, I'm not here to... I'm not here to scare people about, about COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's no political agenda behind this. This, this is about uh, struggle and life-changing events and uh, stuff that we can all relate to. And, and as I was telling you, I believe in podcasts. Uh, I'm a huge fan of podcasts um, because it's authentic. And, and, uh, and I'm also not doing this for attention because when I got home, there were like three or four news media outlets that reached out to my family to interview me. And I declined all of them. Um, I went as so far as, as my sister calling the newspapers uh, and removing my name out of the papers because I didn't want it in there. Uh, one, for safety reasons, obviously, because of the culture that's in law enforcement right now. And two, I, I, there are way better men and women out there than me um, that deserve a second chance at life that didn't get it. Um, I am not special at all. Um, I'm not. I'm lucky. I, I'm lucky and, and God was on my side. Um, so I'm not here to, to, add, to, to be in the spotlight. I'm not here to, to be famous. I'm not, none of that whatsoever. Um, I told you before we started, um, the show that for a long time, I believed, uh, that you should suffer in silence. And, and a lot of men believe that suffer in silence. Uh, but no, I'm not, I'm not here for any of that attention. Like I don't, I appreciate all the support and love and the prayers. I mean, it is a, it, it is a very tough time uh, in, in the world right now. Um, extremely for everyone, not just for me and my family, for everyone. So, so for, for those people who, who do end up listening to this, uh, that, that did, that do know me and know what happened or reach out to my family or reach out to me that, that sent my family food, money, me, money, anything, whatever you did. I mean, you didn't just take time out of your day. You, you took time out of your day in a crazy time in life, a crazy time in life. Everybody's dealing with shit right now. And for the fact that strangers took time out of their day to give to me and my family, um, I, I want to be public with insane thank you to that. And I want to be public in showing that I'm still working uh, to get back to my job and, and that I'm still working uh, to recover. And um, yeah, getting out of the hospital was a huge win. I mean, that that's a great victory, um, but it was just a battle. Uh, you know, I, I haven't won the war yet. Uh, there's still a lot of battles going on. Um, so that that's, you know, I'm not trying to make this a Grammy speech or anything, but I do want to really thank everybody. 
<laughs> I do want to thank everybody who, uh, who, who who continues to pray for me and, and support me. And uh, lastly, and certainly not leastly, uh, I don't know, you know, much about your, your fans or followers or base, but uh, I, I, uh, I'm a firm believer in God and that is uh, why I'm here today. So uh, if, if, you know, if you don't believe in God, um, I'm going to refer to him quite a bit in this podcast. So you might as well just change the station. Um, but I'm telling you, he's real. And uh it goes as far as it's family members that I have not seen and spoke to. Um, and I don't even know if I've met them in the Hispanic culture. It's not uncommon uh, to have cousins that you've never met. Uh, um, so there's family members that, that literally had visions of me, um, visions. Okay. Not dreams, visions of me and God with a message. And, and there's things that they could not have known. They could not have known those things, um, without a higher power. It's impossible. I'm not making this up. No, I'm not on. It's not the meds that I'm <laughs> that they gave me from the hospital. This is all real. Um, so God is real, and I'm here because of God. And uh, and then if there's one thing this world needs right now, it's 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 more of God, and uh, and it's more of mental health uh, um, information. And and I believe in podcasts because essentially what it is, it's it's a therapy session. But for the people that don't want to go to therapy. You can watch somebody else speak what you feel and get and get that advice that you need, and then maybe even get the courage to go to therapy and talk to somebody uh, if you need help. Um, so that's what this is about. It's about struggle. It's about it's about seeing that end 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 of the of the of the tunnel there, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, that's that's all I want this to be about. I again, I, I really want to reiterate, I am an ordinary man that went through extraordinary circumstances, and there are way better people out there than me who deserve a second chance at life. Um, so. I just want to be clear about that, that that's, that's my agenda here is, is not to, uh, to make this about me. And, uh, so I'm sorry for the long speech, but I, I had to say that. No, do not be sorry. And I have to say that I do think you're very special. And I think that you obviously are here for a reason. And I think that the reason that you're still living is so that you can encourage other people. You just gave a message that was incredible. And not only that, after 14 years of military advocacy, you are the first person that ever came onto my show to tell our listeners, don't get wrapped up in one bubble because you're more than just a police officer. You're more than just a military veteran. That's a huge message because um, there's a lot of struggle with people who are unable to finish their career or people who are um, in between careers because of a health issue or any other issue. So thank you, Dominic. It's amazing. Yeah, no, a lot. A lot of people are losing their identity right now because uh, of lockdowns and their jobs, and uh, and you know maybe it's a little bit, it's a little bit more stronger in in the tactical community, uh, first responder community, just because of the stuff that you see. But um, yeah, you you have to have an identity outside of that. Or and 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 I'm not saying I've found that yet. I, I'm saying I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm just at the point where I realize that uh, that you have to find that. You know, the doctors have said that. I, I should be able to go back to work uh, with the grace of God fully uh, mm-hmm. back to work. Mm-hmm. I, I believe won't believe it. it until it, I won't believe it until it happens. Um, so It'll happen. I, I really, I'm, I, I appreciate that, but I'm really trying to keep it in the back of my head. You know, that if I can't go back to work, even though they're saying that I will be able to um, that if I can't um, you know, that, that there, there's still a life to be lived. And, uh, and, and you know, unfortunately if it's not in police work, I, I don't, I don't know what it will be, but you know, I, I just at least have to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you have a really good message to share, so I think you need to do that at least part-time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. So 
So one of the questions that I have is, um, so you're, you know, you're living life, you're a police officer, you're a badass police officer, you're on the SWAT team, you're going full, full, full blast basically with physical activity. And then what, just one day you just start not feeling well or. Well, I appreciate that compliment. Thank you very much. But uh, there are some, uh, some true badasses at my department, um, more so than me. Um, I don't consider myself amongst that, but I do appreciate that. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah. So basically what, ha- I don't know the days I get them mixed up. Um, but I believe it's a Wednesday. Um, and things were kind of starting to close down at this point, you know, COVID was, was here, but people didn't know what it was. And, uh, I remember working out at, at the gym in our department and, uh, with one of my buddies and, uh, just like right, right in the middle of the workout, I was just, I was done. I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm tired. Like I I'm physically exhausted. I feel like I just did a, 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 a five hour workout and I've only been doing it for 30 minutes and it wasn't even anything that bad or crazy. You know, I mean, I do get into some crazy workouts and stuff like that, but it wasn't one of those. It was just something, you know, I just wanted to get a workout in. And, uh, and that just, it struck me as odd, but it didn't alarm me to anything. Um, so I went home and I, you know, I stopped, I, I stopped cause it was to the point where I couldn't do it. Um, so I went home and, uh, and I went to bed and there was, there was, you know, I got up to work the next day at, the, at this point, I I'm up in our tech, our detective bureau. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a detective um, when this happened. So I went back to work the next day and, uh, it was, you know, the same old stuff, same, same work routine. And, uh, it was a little, I I guess like right before I left, you know, maybe two, three, four o'clock, uh, I started to notice like a tingle cough, you know, kind of in the back of my throat and I have really bad allergies. So I, I again, I didn't think anything of it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but at, as the hours went, the it got worse, like dramatically fast. The cough did. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Um, cause it, this is really kicking pretty quick. So I went to the store and I got a thermometer, uh, because I, I was familiar with COVID and, uh, me with my dark sense of humor, I, uh, said, you know, a virus all the way to China. I mean, sure. Why wouldn't it find its way in my house all the way in Saginaw? You know, what is, what are, what are the odds? I get that COVID. Yeah. Like that's got my name written all over it, you know, jokingly, um, <laughs> you know, cause I'm a smart ass. And, uh, so um, so I went and got a thermometer and, uh, and I'm messaging friends and I'm like, Hey man, I think I got COVID, you know, not like jokingly. I'm just like, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm a little, little worried. Um, but I'm still not sure what I have. Like if I had the flu or what, but so I'm taking my temperature like every 30 minutes and it's going up, up, up to the point where it gets to like 103. Ooh. And I'm like, okay, it was something like 103, 100, it got in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm like, okay. I'm like, something is obviously wrong. Um, so I texted my family and I said, Hey, um, my family, I'm very close to my family. I had amazing, amazing parents, amazing sister, all that. Um, I texted them. I said, Hey, don't, don't come over, you know, cause they'll stop by sometimes on an ounce, bring food. That's just how we are. I said, don't come over. I, I was like, I think I have COVID. And, uh, of course nobody knew anybody with COVID at this point. So my parents are like, no, you don't, you don't have COVID. You know, it's okay. You know, they're just being supportive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I, I really think I have COVID. Um, I've never had the flu before, so I don't know what the flu feels like. Um, but I can tell you with that, though, like, in if the flu feels like that too, that sucks. <laughs> uh, so for anyone who gets the flu bad too, I I guess I feel you on that. But um, what when it really struck me is that when I was laying there, um, I was hot, I was cold, I clearly, it felt like I was sick. I had some sort of respiratory thing going on. Uh, the drainage, the cough, the 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 body temperature was high. I had all that stuff you get when you're sick. When things really got worrisome is when I got the body aches. I've never had something completely take over my body like that in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I would walk, I 
my legs would shake so bad I couldn't balance when I walked. Um, and that's when I knew something was wrong. And uh, on our SWAT team, we have two ER physicians uh, that, that roll with us when they can. Um, uh, for us, and, um, you know, if there's an officer-involved shooting, uh, for us and, you know, for uh, whoever uh, is on the other end of the gun, basically, um, so they roll with us and they also, uh, they're very helpful with us in our personal lives. If we, you know, need advice or anything like that, they you know, they don't care if we text them or anything like that. So obviously my family physician doctor is, this is, you know, 11 o'clock at night, nobody's going to answer. Um, so I, I texted one of the doctors and again, I'm not going to say names, but mm-hmm. I texted him and I said, Hey doc, uh, I pretty sure I have COVID. And, uh, he told me to come in the morning and, uh, and he'll give me a flu test because at that time to get a COVID test, you had to, you had to actually have, have like a script wrote Hmm. from a doctor like there was no like test on hand to do it so it was so new uh so i went there um and i went i went to the hospital i went to i went to covenant and uh drove myself there uh i walked in and it was weird because they already had the tents out and stuff like the covid test tents Mm -hmm. and it was just eerie it was like man this feels really weird and uh i I remember walking up to one of the nurses and of course i know all these people most Mm -hmm. of them from having to bring people in the hospital for my job. And uh, I'm like, Hey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I think I think I have COVID and uh, doc, so and so who they know said to come in. So um, and I, I thank him because I there was no lines for me or anything like that. I, I went straight in the room and he saw me. Uh, he took my oxygen, my sat, my saturation, my oxygen sat levels were 100 still. Mm-hmm. Um, and he told me, he goes, you know, man, you probably have it. Um, and at that time, and, and still too, it, this is treatment. But at that time, it was go home quarantine mm-hmm. and monitor your symptoms. And if you start, if your breathing starts to go, you need to come back in. That that's that was what the treatment is. And it, I'm not saying it was a wrong treatment. I'm not saying that at all that that's just what we knew at that time right uh i i don't remember if he gave me something or if my dog i don't remember i, I think i may have got like a uh like a Simbacore inhaler or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something, maybe a Z-Pack I think I got too. Um, but the fact of the matter is it, it was too far into my body for any of that to even even kick in. Um so uh I went back home and of course, you know, I not, now I'm starting to get paranoid um because I, I'm I'm feeling my body uh deteriorate and uh and then f- this is where things get blurry for me where, where the days do. Um I don't I remember I, I remember going and getting a test. Like he wrote me a, a going back to the hospital. And I think Doc ran me out a script uh, to go get a test, to go through the uh, drive-through test uh, off Lapeer Avenue uh, in the city. And uh, so I remember getting, trying to get ready and just walking to my truck and I just couldn't breathe. I, I couldn't breathe doing that. You know, and, and mind you, a week before this, I'm, I'm doing two hour workouts and an hour of it is cardio, you know, and then I go to walking from, I don't live in, I don't have a huge house or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm losing my breath and, and now I'm starting to get worried. Um, I'm starting to get some anxiety uh, about this. So I go get the test and then of course there were some issues at the test. I don't know what well, I don't remember, but they couldn't do the test right. I don't know what I, what happened, but I ended up getting a freaking stick up my nose. And um, so I went back home and I don't remember if it, if I went to the hot back to the hospital the day I got the test or the next day, I don't remember. That's why I, I have to ask my family sometimes uh, about this because things start getting blurry. I, I don't remember what, what I did, but it got to the point, uh, whether it was the day I got the test or the next day where uh I needed to go to the hospital. I knew that something, my, my breathing was going. Um, and I didn't have an, a, a, a pulse ox or anything at home to, to measure it. Um, so th- that's when I got concerned. And uh, 
I actually, I, I couldn't call 911 for two reasons. One, I didn't think it was an emergency and I didn't want to call and, and tie up their line. Um, two, I couldn't talk because I would lose my breath. Hmm. So I uh, I texted one of my buddies from the township police department and, uh, and I'm gonna leave his name out of this too, but I said, hey man, can you give me an ambulance? And he's like, what? And I'm like, ah, I think I have COVID. And, uh, and I can't breathe and I need an ambulance. And, uh, he's like, well, he's like, all right, yeah, dude, I got you, man. And, uh, he's like, so they come, they're, they're coming lights and sirens. I can hear them. I'm like, dude, you didn't, I, I didn't get mad at him, but I'm like, you didn't have to do all that, man. I just, I just, you know, he's like, he's like, dude, he's like, you couldn't call 911 because you can't breathe. He's like, do you, you think I'm going to not get them back here fast? He's like, you're going. Um, and then I get in the ambulance and of course I know the ambulance people too. And, uh, and, and this is where things start getting blurry. Um, so I know they, I know the ambulance people too. And I told them, I'm like, Hey man, I'm like, dude, just don't even get by me. Like, I'm fine. I'm like, just get, just go sit up in the front, wear a mask. I don't want to get you guys sick. I really don't. So, so please don't, uh, please don't come by me. And they're like, Dom, no, we're, we're come on. You know, we're going to take care of you. And if I remember correctly, they, they did took my out, my pull socks. And I'm pretty sure at that point I was in the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. and I think normal range is anywhere from 94 to hundred. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the COVID had hit my lungs um, at that point. Um, I don't remember going through the ER. Apparently when I was walking out, I remember packing a bag um, to go to the hospital because I knew that I wasn't going to come home. Um, I didn't know that I would, that it was going to be 85 days, but I I knew that I wasn't going to come home. And um, so I I packed a bag and uh, apparently, I don't remember this, but uh, I'm a big metal fan, like music metal. So uh, as I'm walking out of the garage, I, I, I threw up the horns to my buddy who <laughs> called the ambulance for me. And uh, and I got in and um, and I don't remember going through the, the ER like the, and I walked through there so many times to work. You know, I'm very familiar with the, where, with the, the structure and layout of it. And I don't remember any of that part at all. And, and mind you, I'm not on any medication. I'm not sedated. None of that has happened yet. Uh, I think just the being deprived of oxygen, I, I started to become foggy. Um, the last thing I remember and I was still up, for, if I understand correctly, the, from the last thing I remember, I still was up for another day after that. But I do not remember that day. But the last thing I remember is uh, is I remember going into this room. Um, it, it didn't look like a normal hospital room. It, it looked I, I, it almost like a lab, like a science lab, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was like a plexiglass board. And on the other side were people with like, you know, that they could look at the machines and stuff. And, uh, and I had a male nurse and uh, I, I don't remember his name. Um, he was a pretty cool guy or anything like, that, you know, and, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, the, sorry if this grosses people out, but the, the puke bags that yeah. are in the hospital, the, the blue thing. Okay. So mm-hmm. basically they took that, not, not that itself, but something similar like that. And they put it over my mouth and nose. Wow. And, uh, and they, I, I don't know what it was for. I, I think it was to, to get air into my lungs mm-hmm. because my lungs were collapsing and, uh, and it was bad. Um, and I could see the panic on them because I, I know what that looks like. And I could see the panic on his face. Um, and that's when things hit me. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. And, uh, and I looked at that nurse and, uh, I don't remember what exactly I said, um, specifically, but I, I just looked at him and I, and I basically said, look, man, I said, don't, don't, don't mess with me. Like, don't play around with me. I said, I need to know. I said, am I going to die today? Like, that's what I asked. I said, am I going to die today? And the last thing, and he may have had a different answer, but the, it's, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny. He may have said something else. He may have said, no, man, you're good. You're all right. I don't remember him saying that. The only thing I remember him saying is what's your emergency contact information. And I'm like, oh, f-. I'm like, oh, I'm dying. I'm like, I'm dying. I'm like, okay. 
I'm like, well, if you want, I'm like, well, let me use the phone like then so I can call my family. You don't need to talk to him. Let me call him. Um, but that's the last thing I read. He, like I said, I, I don't think he meant anything bad by it or anything mm-hmm. like that. And he may have said, um, you know, no, you're going to be okay, but I need your emergency contact info. I just don't remember that part. I only remember hearing, I need your emergency contact information. And that's when, uh, and that's when, when really uh, got real for me. Um, but like two, I don't know what it was, 2018, 2009, eh, it was 18 or 19. I don't know. One of the years. Um, I'm not going to get too into detail with this, but, uh, that that's actually two years or three years. I don't remember how many years ago it was, but that's when I had my first close call with death. Uh, actually, uh, my partner and I were involved in a shooting and, uh, and I made some tactical errors, um, that haunt me to this day, um, that, uh, I'm not proud of myself for, and I think I could have done things better. You know, we all made it home. Uh, um, so I guess that that's what matters. And I thought I did what was right at the time, but uh, I still question some of the things I did. Uh, but basically, this what happened is this guy, uh, I, I was engaged in a foot chase and uh, this guy knew where I was coming from and he was waiting for me and I was an open target and uh, and he shot at me. I don't know how many times. Um, and that's as far as I'll go into that as far as details. But I, I was a wide, clear target. Clear, I mean, clear as, clear as you and I are right now you know, maybe 25, 30, I don't know, yards. I mean, when you get in moments like that, your, your memory gets uh, a little blurry, but that was my first encounter with, uh, with death. But what was different about that and what's different about this is, is my encounter with death then is, is it's, it's not like I looked forward to that moment, uh, you know, a big gun battle or nothing like that. Uh, I didn't even shoot back. Okay. And, uh, and, and that's for different reasons for later, but, but it happened so fast that you didn't get a chance to reflect on what just happened because there was still work to be done. I mean, that ended up turning into a seven, eight hour standoff. So there wasn't really time for me to reflect on how lucky and how much God was on my side. And, and I don't mean to, to, to go down a rabbit hole here, um, but it all connects. But the day that that happened is actually the, uh, the, pa- the patron saint day of St. Michael, the patron saint of police officers um, is the day that that had happened to me. Um, and then a year before that, I was in a really bad car wreck uh, in a car chase on the same exact day, St. Michael's mm-hmm. feast day of St. Page and St. Police officers. So it's like the past like four years, I'm like, keep getting these close encounters with death. And, and, um, it, and I never had a chance to reflect on that until this one right now, until COVID. Um, you would think, uh, you know, being involved in gunfire uh, would be traumatic. And, and it was, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, the tunnel vision, the, the, your ears, you know, the sound being minimal, um, you know, all the, the memory, you know, loss, all, all that's real, definitely. But this COVID stuff, uh, being in the hospital like that and just not being in control mm-hmm. is, is really what made me reflect on uh, life and death. Um, that is that is the first time in my life that I ever could reflect on, on death. And, uh, and it really, really, I mean, it really did something to me. Um, and that's still in the process um, right now. And I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I, I, I'm not, uh, I haven't won yet. Um, you know, like I said to you before, I made it out of the hospital. Um, but, I, you know, I'm still dealing with uh, a lot of stuff uh, upstairs. Um, and I'm thankful I have such a supportive family and, uh, and uh, people, you know, just supportive loved ones that I have uh, that are helping me and everything like that. But uh, and, and again, this is why I agreed to do this podcast because, uh, because of the struggle. Um, and, and this is the first time in my life that I, I've had to actually uh, reflect on on my short life that I've lived, I'm 28. I'm not very old, but I've actually had to reflect on my life uh, for the first time and um, and ask myself, why am I here? <laughs> 
you know, why, why is God giving me so many chances to get out of and, 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 and come like what, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not mad at him for doing it. I'm, I'm so thankful. It's almost pressuring. It's very pressuring to me because I feel like I have to live up to something that, that he, uh, that he has a plan for me and I don't know what it is. I don't know what the plan is. And and it just, it's mind boggling. It really is. It's mind boggling to, you know, just, I I mean, there's not a day since I've been home that I woke up in my bed and and wondered why did I just wake up? Like, why did I just, well, why? Um, and, and not from a victim mentality, like not from a victim mentality, literally me trying to figure out why am I here? And why has God allowed me to, to dodge death like this so many times? And each incident has gotten worse. So I'm really nervous <laughs> about the upcoming years. Um, as far as what's going to, like, I don't know if this is a lesson. I don't know if I'm not doing something right in life. If this is like his wake up call to me, like, Hey, you're, you're screwing up, man. You need to, you need to get on the straight. And I don't know what it is. And that, and that's another mind, mind, a fight in my mind that I have right now, as far as, uh, as why I'm, I am here, uh, in life. Um, and, and COVID in COVID is, is just the how it's, 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 it's the how we got here. It's, 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 you know, the how of this podcast, but it's not the why anymore. The, the why think, is me. I think the Go why ahead. is, um, from my viewpoint, third party, totally haven't seen your family in many years now. Your why is your message it is strong. I know men who are in their sixties and seventies and they've had a cakewalk life and haven't been able to help anybody. You have a very strong mentality. You have a very strong um, belief and a very strong message that's important for people to hear. Um, I believe that's a big why. Um, COVID is, you know, COVID is COVID. It's not a good thing. It's very right. pop. It's a popular topic right now. It is. It's a popular um, topic. It's a hit any, song, basically. And you know, because of that, though, your why message is going to go far because people are interested in it. So you might not understand it now. You might not understand it for five or ten years or longer. But looking back, you're gonna build. You're building connections right now and bridges, and you're gonna be amazed. I think at where you're gonna end up. Um, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Good. Um, so at Covenant, um, they they basically were not able to handle all your healthcare needs. Do you remember transferring from Covenant down to um, was it U of M? U of M. Yep. Nope. I do not remember that. I uh, apparently I had a discussion with my doctor. So my fam my my family doctor um her and her husband are both doctors. Uh, she has their office and he does the hospital stuff. If one of her patients goes to the hospital. Um, and luckily for me, he's a pulmonologist. Um, but so, you know, he's familiar with the lungs things and, uh, I want to give him a lot of credit because, um, in a world full of egos, um, he, he set his aside and said, um, we're not capable of handling this right now here. Um, for whatever reasons, I don't know, I'm not in the medical field, so I'm not going to speak about it, mm-hmm. but for whatever reasons he, he, you know, he, he, he put everything aside and, and focused solely on me, my life and my family's life and made the decision that I needed to go to U of M. And the initial goal was to be me, for me to be put on ECMO. And, uh, and, and for those, honestly, I don't even really know what ECMO is. All I know is it's a big, basically it's a big, long freaking hose tube that goes like in your neck. And, uh, it, it, it circulates, it, it makes your body work for you. Your body's running off a machine. 
um, that was my last hope of, of, of living, um, was ECMO. And, um, I was supposed to get, from what I understand, I was supposed to get, uh, flighted there, uh, from a helicopter. Um, but I don't know if it was like inclement weather. This is in March. So who knows what it could have been doing then. I, I don't remember, but, um, it, this was in March, but I, uh, I didn't, I didn't go in the helicopter. I did get transferred in an ambulance and, uh, and, and, uh, my boys and girls took care of me and, uh, did a police escort for me. Um, so I, you know, I, I also want to thank, um, them and, and, uh, my, my, uh, my work family. Um, they really came together and showed me, uh, my family, a ton of love. And, uh, if there's one thing I will promote about the brotherhood and as far as the tactical, tactical community goes, um, is, uh, is that we do take care of our own. And, uh, and, and I'm so thankful for them. Um, I, I really am. I mean, they, they were truly, truly took care of my family. So, but yeah, um, apparently I, I was taken to U of M and I think I was intubated at that point already. Um, and that, that was it. That was 53 days. Uh, I think I was intubated, um, two, two days or one day before, before my dad's birthday, um, which I felt freaking terrible about, um, uh, that I couldn't be there, uh, for my uh, dad's birthday. Um, what a terrible gift. And then, you know, the next month, his own dad passed, my grandpa passed when I was in the hospital. And so then, you know, my dad had to deal with that too. And I just felt terrible that I couldn't help anyone uh, in my family that was helping me. So it, it was a rough, it still is a, a rough time for uh, my family, just a lot of happened you know um and again it's not a, a a victim story it's 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 just you know it's just how it was um i don't remember those 53 days i was asleep i had no visions i had no dreams i i not nothing i i don't even remember the day i woke up um i do remember for whatever reason when i woke up uh well not for whatever reason i was on a ton of uh fentanyl and versed and all those other sedatives i i remember i thought i was in canada i don't know why uh never been to canada never really been interested in going to Canada. Um, but that's where I thought I was. And uh, I remember waking up and a guy, it looked like stormtroopers were in my freaking hospital room because oh, yeah. they had these white, like for the mask are on. And then they had these white inflatable like gowns that are pumping oxygen in so they can, so they can breathe. Mm-hmm. And these people are all around me and and I'm just like, what is going on? Like, I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, what is happening right now? Where am I? Mm-hmm. Why Canada got in my head? I don't know, but <laughs> After I found out I was in Ann Arbor, I was like, why am I in Ann Arbor? Like, who took me here? Why? I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. last time I checked, I didn't call an Uber mm-hmm. to go to Ann Arbor. Um, <clears throat> and that's when the doctor came in. I don't know if it was that day, but that's when the doctor came in and uh, and explained to me what happened. And, and basically, from what I understand is uh, I got two uh, two double bacterial infections of, of pneumonia um, on top of the COVID in my lungs. Uh, my lungs collapsed six times. Um and I had six chest tubes in me and those chest tubes were to keep the fluid outside of my lungs and to keep my lungs inflated. Um, and basically I, uh, I was dying. Um, and, and during those times I was asleep, uh, my parents got some phone calls that, uh, well not, I mean, my family got a couple phone calls, uh, that basically in, in layman's terms said, I, I you know, I'm not going to make it through the night. Um, and, uh, and that's tough to, uh, to uh, see my family in that uh, position um, and and not not being able to uh, to help them, um, excuse me, but uh, uh, you know I woke up and uh, and uh, it was just weird. I got the only way I can describe it. It was it was just weird um, what had happened, and uh, I I couldn't see myself. Uh, I mind you, when you're on a vent, your body loses a ton of weight and a ton of muscle, and uh, I was 195 pounds when I went in there. Um, uh, 
you know, I'm not like a pro bodybuilder or anything. Like I wasn't, but I was in good shape. You know, I was, I took care of my body. And um, when I woke up, um, I couldn't see myself. So I didn't know what had happened to me physically um, from as, as an appearance standpoint. Um, the first time I, I had like three clues that, and one hit me the most, but the first one was usually when I have to, and this is going to sound egotistical and I, and I, and I don't mean it to, it's just what happened to make me realize what had happened to me. But usually when I go to the doctors, they have to use the, the big blood pressure, the bigger size mm-hmm. on me because of my arm size. And I remember looking down at my arms and they were so small. I mean, like they were the size of my wrist and I'm like, what? what the hell? Like I, it still wasn't, nothing was clicking yet. I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. You know, I knew it doesn't, cause there was no mirrors, you mm-hmm. know, I, I didn't. And when I, and this whole time I'm based, my family's FaceTiming me, but I am so out of it. I can't even talk. And uh, that's another thing too. When I woke up, I was trapped. Um, I, I couldn't talk and I couldn't text because I couldn't hold a phone in my hand because my hands were shaking so bad. I, I had no form of communication. I couldn't write. The, my write look, writing looked like shit. So I'm trying to tell the nurse that I need this and that and all this stuff. And God bless them for dealing with me because I was getting so pissed off because nobody could hear me because I couldn't talk and then I can't write and then I can't text. So I can't do anything. So finally, it's just like, screw it. I don't want anything. Um, but yeah, this whole time, my family's FaceTiming me while I'm, while I'm even, even when I was in a coma talking to me. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it, that the cuff thing that that's when I noticed that. And then the second time was when um is when the doctors came in and they said um they said okay we're gonna try to walk today. And uh, I remember asking what what do you mean we're gonna try to walk? What what about what do we? Why do I need to try? Like I can get up and walk right now. Um and they're like well you know you your muscles are gonna be a little weak from what just happened to you. And I'm like no I'm good. I'm like and uh, I remember I couldn't even get up. I couldn't lift my body up to even get out of the bed. Um, and that's when things hit me. And that's when I knew that I, uh, it, seriously, something was wrong. Um, and that I, I, uh, essentially that's when it hit me that I almost died mm-hmm. and that I, and I thought I still could have died. I thought I was still dying. Um, I don't know if I was at that point. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, things were looking better, obviously, because I, I came off the, uh, the vent and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, that, that, and then the first time I walked my doctor and God bless her, she's a saint, just a motherly figure. And one of the nurses I had too, I won't say her name, but you also have to understand during this, um, my 85 day stay here at this hospital, I wasn't allowed visitors. It was lockdown mode. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see my family. Um, and coming from a, such a, a close knit family, um, I, I have no complaints about my childhood whatsoever. I am blessed with an amazing family and amazing parents and, uh, and a sister and, and, and so many others, aunts and, um, you know, grandparents, but, uh, I couldn't see them, um, that whole time I was in there and that killed me. That, that was the, uh, the hardest part. Um, I've never felt, uh, loneliness like that, um, in my entire life. Um, and God bless all the nurses there. Um, and even the ones that are still out there and the medical staff that, that, that these people are, are, they're not only playing roles of medical, like they're not, not just playing medical roles now. I mean, they're, they're essentially representing family these people now because they can't see their own and they have to be there that voice of a family that 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 they can't see so they're playing two roles they're not just in there you know pushing pushing meds through an iv and and checking your your stat levels these doctors and, and nurses and all these healthcare workers they're not out here just just doing their job they're doing beyond their job and, and part of that is 
is they're doing, they're, they're playing the role of a family member to you because you can't see yours. And that's what I think people forget about this lockdown and these restrictions. I mean, family support is just as much as important. The, your mind is curing your mind and healing your mind is far more important than the physical medicine that goes in your body uh, during any, any critical illness, any whatsoever. So, um, I won't, I won't, I can't say any names, but one of the nurses and, and people who know me will know which nurse this is, but she, uh, she was my, uh, man, she was, uh, she was my, sorry, I told you to edit this part out, didn't I, Patty? <laughs> she was, uh, she was my, uh, saving grace in there, man. She, uh, she, uh, she, it's funny. Um, I'm not going to say how or anything, but, uh, magically somehow, uh, I woke up or one day from uh, the hospital, not from my coma, just I woke up from sleeping and I had a surprise. And that surprise uh, was my parents. And uh, yeah, she, uh, that, uh, that's the, uh, that's the strength I, I needed to, uh, to, uh, to get through was to uh, see my parents. And, uh, and she, uh, she made that happen. And uh, I remember I felt a, uh, I felt so guilty, um, because I I I, uh, I miss Mother's Day, and uh, and uh, this she went out and got a card for my mom for me to sign, and uh, it was just I've never uh, I've never seen such uh, care like that, you know, um, especially for me because you know I I don't I didn't deserve that shit at all, uh, one bit. So uh, it it was it was very touching and humbling, um, for what she did for me, and uh, and her and I still are in communication today. And, uh, so that, that, that was hard, you know, not seeing my family. Uh, I started, I, I could start to see my family, uh, the last, I think it was the last 10 days of my hospital stay. And, uh, and, uh, but that whole time I only saw my, my family, like up until the restrictions were lifted up until, I mean, I only saw them twice. That's it. And, uh, and man, that was hard as hell. the loneliness was just, God, it was just terrible. It really was. I mean, I've never been in that dark place uh, in my mind ever in my entire life. Um, I, 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 it was to the point where I was, I was begging the doctors uh, to just let me go home and die with my family. Um, that's all I wanted to do. Like, I, 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 uh, I didn't care about making it out of the hospital. Um, I, I didn't give a shit about any of that. I, I, I didn't want to be better. I, 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 at this point, I, I accepted defeat. I accepted the fact that I'm done here on this earth. And, uh, and I just, I just, uh, I, I wanted to be with my family, um, when that time came and, uh, but you know, they, they didn't give up on me and, uh, and, and, and I, man, it just, you know, my parents, they give up, nobody gave up on me. I mean, I woke up to, when I finally was able to have my phone, I woke up to about, I, I shit you not to about 126 <laughs> text messages. Um, and I, I just the support. And then, you know, when, when they, my dad showed me the uh, video of, the vigil they had for me um, on Hoyt Park. I mean, just hundreds of people. And I was like, why? I was so confused. I, I didn't understand why anybody would do that for me. Um, I couldn't understand it. I I, I mean, I cried I, I, to my dad. Uh, I, I, I told him, you know, I, I said, I don't, I don't want anyone to do anything else. I don't want anything. I don't deserve any of this. There, uh, there's just so, and I know I'm going down so many different directions, but it's just all coming back. And, uh, you know, I just remember, um, when I first was able to start to walk, 
uh, I had to use a walker, but uh, when I was first cleared to leave my room because I I, uh, I didn't have COVID anymore, I was no longer um, uh, in, in, uh, contagious or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we I had PT uh, and I had a great physical therapist who 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 she she whooped my ass and she needed to uh, she put my ass in the gear and put my put my uh, put my ass in the check and, and she made me work and I thank God for her uh, and same with the nurse that I, I spoke to you about too uh, you know the, the, I wanted the lights off the curtains down I didn't want light in my room I wanted everything I just wanted to I just wanted to quit that, that that's all I wanted to do is is quit um, in the biggest struggle in life um i think with people is it's not quitting quitting is is very easy to do you just stop what you're doing and you're done and you quit but when you want to quit and you don't know how that's it's so it's so mind-boggling and then that's where i was at in life at that point i i wanted to quit so bad i I just wanted to go i wanted i'm not saying like i was suicidal or anything like that i just wanted to be done with with I was sick of being in that place. I'm thankful for them and all they did for me, but my God, being in a hospital for that long and I just wanted to quit, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how to quit. And uh, and the reason I didn't know how to quit is because that's not me. And, and there's people out there that want to quit and they're asking themselves why they can't quit. And the answer is because you're not a quitter. Um, and that's as simple as it gets. And you need to dig down deeper and and find out what what makes you push. And for me, it was my family. Uh, for me, it was picturing my family at my funeral, uh, and my mom crying and my dad crying. Uh, and I couldn't do that to them. Um, I put them through enough already from the hospital, so uh, I, I couldn't do that to them. I had to. Uh, I had to. I had to make it out of there. And uh, I remember uh, one of the doctors came in, and uh, so basically, how it works is there's a, a one doctor. I don't. They have terms and names for this. I don't know what they are. Like the fellow, I don't know. It sounds like some Lord of the Rings stuff. But um, so my main doctor has a team and the team consisted of like five or six docs. Some of them were residents. Some of them, I, I don't know. They were consistent. So I would see different doctors all the time. Not often, but every time I did it, it was a different doctor. Um, and as I got close to time to being discharged, and as I became a little bit more active, and I was uh, my trach was getting downsized, I was able to talk again. I was able to uh, pass my swallow test so I could drink. Uh, actually, a funny story. I, I the nurse that I talk about that I love so much. Uh, I when you're trach in and when you get out of event, you can't eat or drink. Um, and I kept seeing this commercial of of the simply juice like watermelon. Okay. And I'm and I I'm like starting to get pissed. I'm like I swear this like somebody's messing with me. I'm like I am so thirsty right now, and nobody will give me anything to drink because if I swallow it, I could uh, I don't remember the term for it, but uh, it, it it can I, basically I could get food around my lungs again and they could collapse. So I tricked her into giving me juice, uh, and I told her that I had a spitter like a spit thing, and I I told her that I would spit it into it, um, and uh, I didn't. I swallowed the juice um, most of the time. And, uh, but I was so thirsty. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. Where, where was I going before this? I love it. Well, we're just talking about how you wanted to quit. You didn't know how to quit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, when I first could, when I first could walk and when I was not contagious, they took me out in the unit and mind you, this is, this is the university of, of Michigan. This is Michigan medicine. This is a huge hospital. So the unit floors have hundreds of rooms. So my, my walk, to exercise, my trip was around the unit and there were only two people awake 
in that unit. Wow. So every time I walked by a room, all I saw were people dying wow. with tubes in their throats. And um, and that's when uh, I really looked at myself and, and I said, and a lot of those people didn't come home. Um, and that's when I looked at myself and I said, you you gotta you have to do this for them. Um, not not like we're like in some battle together or like battle buddies or anything like that, but but these these people want life just as much as you do, and and you and you can't you can't disgrace them um, by feeling sorry for yourself. Um, there's actually um, there's a really I don't you might be familiar with this guy. His name is uh, Ryan Hendrickson. Uh, he'd be a great guy to have on on your show if you can get him. He wrote a book called Tip of the Spear. I actually haven't read it yet, but he's on uh, Mentors for Mill podcast and he's on Jocko Willing podcast and uh, and he uh, he got. He got blew up uh, in in the Middle East. He stepped on an IED, uh, and then the dude went back a year later and uh, blew up more IEDs himself and got into more gunfight. He's a bad ass dude, bad ass dude. Anyways, when he was in the hospital, he said uh, he said that his his dad uh, gave him some advice, basically a quote. And uh, and and this is where I'm at. In life right now, and, and this is where I was at when I was doing my my walks around the uh, the uh, the unit to to you know for my rehab for to, to get better. Um, and 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 this isn't a quote, but this is a summary of what he said to him. Basically, he said his dad said to him, he said, you know, son, he said you can you can let this your incident for him uh, being injured in in, in war uh, or in my case, uh, you know, almost dying from COVID. You can let that be your identity. You can be that guy if that's what you want, right? You, you, I can be that COVID guy. I can be the face of COVID if I want to, right? I can be that victim of COVID. And, 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 uh, and he told him that you can be the victim of your injury and you can live your life like that your whole life. And you can use that excuse for everything you want for the rest of your life. I can use that excuse for me. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to get up and, and go work out today because well, you know, I got COVID and I got uh, muscle myopathy and, you know, it just sucks and it hurts. So, you know, I, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't get up and go work out because I deserve a rest. Um, and he said to him, you know, you can use that line. You can do that. You can, you can live your identity through your trauma. He said, or you can overcome it. You can overcome that trauma and you can look back on what you accomplished and be proud of that and, and instill that in others. And that is the reason why I agreed to do this podcast. And, and, and I've been looking for the words to say... I literally just watched this podcast last night. I, honestly, I just happened to stumble across it, and and he said that, and I, and I was just like, "Shit, that that's that's where I'm at in my head right now. This is that's that's the struggle. That's that's where I am. Is is I don't want to be a victim because victim being a victim leads to entitlement, and that is not what I. That's not who I am, and that's not what I want. I want to fight for everything that I I have in life, just like anybody else. I, I don't want uh I don't want sympathy. I don't I don't want any of that at all. I don't um. Again, as I said before, I appreciate all the support. It means the absolute world to me. And the reason I post stuff is to show people that I am not wasting their prayers and I am not wasting the time that they've spent on me. That is all. And I think that that Ryan Hendrickson, I think he said it, his dad said to him, um, was perfect. And then uh, whenever you're ready, there's another guy that I wanted to quote to. Uh, uh, I wish I could take credit for something so well said, but you know, I just wanted to get that out there, but yeah, that's basically where I'm at. I mean, right now the battle's not over. Uh, I'm sure we could do a part two as far as when I'm recovered, but, um, you know, I'm off oxygen uh, for the most part. When I sleep, I use it. Um, I'm off a lot of, a lot more meds now. Um, uh, I'm a lot more mobile. My workouts are intense or intensifying. Um, and, and, and literally just, uh, five months ago it was, I, I, I couldn't take without my oxygen dropping to 70 and, my dad having to wait outside, you know, my own father 
having to watch this grown 28 year old man take a because I could fall or slip. Uh, obviously, it's not so much demor. It's 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 not dehumanizing to me. It's my father, but it's demoralizing. But here I am, five months later. Uh, nobody's home with me anymore. I don't need twenty four seven supervision. I just did my first hour cardio workout last night with no oxygen. Um, it's not a workout that uh, it's not hard by any means on my to me. You know, it's not something that I would consider hard before this. Um, but I'm progressing. Um, and it's important for people to reward themselves uh, with small victories because, yes, it's important to keep their overall big picture in mind and their overall big goal. But at some point, you have to recognize the progress that you're making. Um, so, you know, for people that are struggling, I guess, with anything, I mean, not even just COVID, but what, whatever. I mean, it's all relatable. I mean, if, if you if you woke up that day in, 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 and you're looking in the mirror at yourself, you just want something um you won so be proud of yourself you know for that because that in and of itself takes something uh my struggle is no worse than anyone else's the appearance of it may look worse because of all the tubes and and scars i have on my body and and uh you know and and then my background in 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 law enforcement you know the appearance of all that may look really worse but it's all the same it's it's all the same. The struggle is all the same, and we can all all learn from uh, from each other's struggles. And again, that's why I did this podcast. This this is free therapy for people. This is free therapy. You don't have to go. I'm not discouraging people from doing therapy whatsoever. I think therapy is a great thing when you when you're linked with the right person. But this is free therapy. You can watch somebody speak for yourself um, and say, "That's exactly how I feel." And wow, that's the answer I needed. And, and that's why I believe in podcasts. And that's why I agreed to do this and not do a a freaking two minute news station. You know, I don't care. I don't like the media. I'll say it right now. I don't, I'm not a fan of the media. They spin stories and all this other stuff. I won't get into political stuff, but I'm not a fan of the media and you're not going to, you're not going to present anything to the world. The only thing you're going to, you're going to get a glimpse of in your two minute story bit of me is poor me, poor Dom almost died. And that's, I mean, it's true, but it's, that's not what I, that's not what I want to, that's not what I want to be known for. I don't want to be known for COVID. I have a ton of love, ton, ton of life left. You know, I don't want to be known for COVID, but if I can help somebody uh, get through a tough day, um, maybe that is my why. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, and I don't know if you have any more questions, but this is the last quote I'll say. And, uh, this is by another, uh, a military guy. Um, he's on Instagram. His name's like Wolf X machine. I don't I don't know his, his real name um, or what he did. He was, I think he was in some special operations group, but he said something. I'm pretty sure it, it was his quote and, and it describes perfectly where I'm at in life right now with this, um, with what I'm going through. Um, and I think it can, it, it can apply to everybody that's going through something. And what he says is he says, I understand myself only after I destroyed myself and only in the process of finding myself did I find out who I really was. And that's where I'm at right now with life. Um, because my, I've been destroyed. My, my, my mind and body has been broke. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying I did it to myself, but, uh, I, I have been destroyed and there are people out there that are destroyed. Uh, they are in their darkest places and, uh, and that's who you find out who you are. That, that's really who you find out who you are. So it's not, it's bad. Trust me. It's bad. The mental struggle is tough. It's a terrible, terrible thing because the enemy is yourself. And the worst thing about you being the enemy is, you know, all your weaknesses. So you know how you're, you know, what's going to get you. And that's what sucks about fighting yourself. But the, the beauty, I guess, on that side is that you really find out who the you are. And that's something to be proud of. I'm not saying I'm there yet, but I'm saying I recognize that that process is there. And I hope that other people can recognize that as well, is that there is that process. Um, Because I literally went from, yeah, I mean, be, yeah, sure, you can call it like 
you know, no, I'm not like SEAL Team 6 dude or anything like that. But yeah, I went from a high-speed job of in, in getting an adrenaline rush every day to being laid up and being unable to do anything. I'm just here. I'm a silhouette. Um, and that's mentally challenging. And, and again, that, that, that can be applied to anyone. Um, so I'm still looking for my why, uh, you know, I'm still looking for my why as far as why God uh, allowed me to, uh, be here today and all the other days I've got close to, to death. But, uh, you know, if this is my why, if, if why is helping people, uh, get through stuff, um, then, then that's what I'll do. And, and I'm proud of that. Um, but again, it's, it's not for fame. It's not for, I would not go through this again. If you said I, I would be famous or anything like that. Never, I would go through it again for my family. So they didn't have to, but I, I would never, if you said, you know, Dom, I, you'll be the most famous, richest person in the world. If you go through this again, my answer to you would be, uh, um, that that's what it would be. Um, because there's no way in Hollywood. So it's not for that. Um, I'm trying to find a way to utilize my downtime. And if that means helping people, uh, that can relate to this or any mental health problem, then, uh, then that's time well spent. Um, and that, and that's what I'm trying to do that, that, that's, that's all. And that, and that's why I agreed to do this. That's it. Not, not for, not for literally not for any other reason. I know it. I know it. And that makes you so much more incredible than you already are. Like, I can't even tell you, Dominic, you're motivating, you're inspirational. And um, not everybody can just turn a really hard trial like that into a triumph. And I really believe that um, you're working on that and you're doing a great job. And Thank oh you. my word, your parents must be so, so, so proud of you. Um, I hope so. I hope it, so. It's yeah. not every day that you get a child that just um, loves his parents so much. No, there's a ton of ton of broken families out there, and mm -hmm. uh, and I'm so blessed to not yeah, be a part of that. You are so incredible, and um, it's no wonder. I know your dad. Um, he is he was incredible when I knew him, like all those years ago. And right. um, the apple has not fallen fall. I can't even talk after you. Like I know what you mean. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Didn't fall far from the tree. Um, thank you so much. But thank you so much for sharing your story. I definitely do want to do a part two because I <laughs> firmly believe that you're just going to keep getting better and better. I'll also say you posted a video. I think it was last night. I might not have seen it till this morning, but of you working out, doing cardio and you, <laughs> you like showed the treadmill, you showed your um, oxygen pulse. And I was just like, at that point I was debating if I was going to do my workout this morning, but then I saw your video and I'm like, Oh crap. If he did oh, it, like, I need to get out and do that. <laughs> so, That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's that was awesome. very, very motivating to me. And thank you. Um, you're just incredible. And, and like I said earlier in the show, I do think you're special and I do think you have a huge why. <laughs> um, I appreciate that. So I, I just, I love your you're just an incredible person. You're lucky I'm not right there because I'd give you a big, huge hug. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I, I, it means a lot. Thank you very much. It's it's thank very you. nice to have, have been hearing uh, nice, encouraging words uh, lately, especially in a in a time and, and place in the world where uh, that's uh, that's not too common anymore. So it, it does mean a lot. And and literally those words got me through, along with the medicine, the doctors, my family, um, everybody, every my loved ones, everyone. Um, that 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 is what got me through this that's it i'm again I, i've said it already like three times but i'm an ordinary man who went through an extraordinary circumstance and that's it that's as simple as that oh, you make it sound so simple <laughs> but it's it's incredible 
it's truly incredible. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. I'm not going to have a long ending to this um, podcast. I want to leave it as is. Um, I want to have Dom back on the show again for, for part two. I want to see him, you know, moving forward in his physical therapy and I'm excited to hear more about your future and what you're going to be doing. Cause I know it's going to be phenomenal. Thanks Dom. Thank you so much, Patty. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Follow Patty at Patty Catter on Facebook and Instagram. Get social. You can now watch Wake Up with Patty Catter on Amazon TV and Roku. It's the only podcast I listen to. Be sure to check out Patty's apparel line, The Patriotic Mermaid at thepatrioticmermaid.com and on social media at The Patriotic Mermaid. I love it. Special thanks to Patty's content creator, Elise. Thompson. Thanks for all that you do. Visit ThompsonCreate.com for all your marketing and design inquiries.